here on Radio Catskill. But before all that, it's a local edition coming up next. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wall and Poppock, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. It's Wednesday. It's uh, Thanksgiving Eve. And what we do on a Wednesday is we check in with James B. Huntington for the latest on jobs and the economy. It's Work Shift Live coming up next. But first, it's our weekly news roundup with Liam Mayo of the River Reporter getting the latest news from the River Reporter. Hello, Liam. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me back. So here we are. It's uh, the kickoff of the holiday season in one sense. It's going to be a busy, busy time for all here. And you're still on top of the news, which is always a busy time. Um, where do we want to start? Sullivan County Legislature talked about a few things at their last meeting, including Hughes Energy they're uh, talking about a proposal for assisting with the county's municipal solid waste. What's this all about, Liam? Yeah, so this company has come before the legislature a couple of times in the past month. Um, the most recent time was this past Thursday. And what they're proposing is to um, get some land at the Sullivan County landfill and to develop a steam autoclave project there. Um, steam autoclaves would like heat and pressurize material. And the idea behind the project is they would feed municipal solid waste into this autoclave, um, wherein all the organic uh, waste in that would get sort of pressurized and heated and turned into fiber. Um, the company thinks it can sell this fiber for a number of different purposes. And the upside of it is the county would have a lot less trash to dispose of. Hughes would take the fiber and use it for other purposes. And whatever remains from the trash um, could get put in sort of a smaller landfill um, somewhere close to Sullivan County. Uh, this is something the legislature is looking at because of the way the uh, county's current trash situation is handled. Uh, the county, as I, far as I understand it, currently sends its trash to a landfill, Seneca Meadows, and that landfill is reaching the end of its capacity. So in the next couple of years, the legislature will have to consider other alternatives, and they're looking at Hughes Energy as one of those alternatives that could help them cut down on the amount of trash they have to deal with, cut down on the amount and the cost of trash they'd have to ship out to other landfills. You know, earlier uh, in the week on Mondays when we have our regular check-in with Sullivan County, we talked to County Manager Josh Potosik. Uh, the county budget in Sullivan has only uh, what one could describe as a negligible overall tax increase, a tax increase of just over a tenth of percent and now I'm hearing that uh, Honesdale municipalities released a 2023 budget proposal that apparently includes no tax increase. Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, as, as far as I understand it. Um, this uh, it says that it's the third year in a row that the Homesdale's uh, budget does not include a tax increase for residents. Um, and it is spending in a couple of places. It's dedicating roughly $179,000 to stormwater infrastructure repairs. Um, it's raising uh, non-uniform borough employees, and it's uh, trying, again, to spend additional money to hire additional full-time police officers. Uh, there's been a line item in that budget uh, last year as well, um, but there were not new officers found last year, so they're putting that back in again. Um, while uh, the current budget is... Um, neutral in terms of tax raises, there were a couple of um, items on the horizon that the Homestead Borough Council mentioned as they were unveiling this budget. Um, Wayne County as a whole is going through a reassessment that could impact property values and therefore taxes in Homestead, um, which uh, they've said that they're going to try and update uh, millage is necessary to remain revenue neutral for 2023. Um, but sort of the more potentially impactful thing is uh, the county, or sorry, the borough is coming into the year with um, about $1.75 in operating funds, but it expects to go into next year with only about um, $3,300. 63,000 in operating funds. So it's keeping taxes neutral, but it is sort of losing money in a certain extent between this year and next year. So while there are no tax increases in this budget, it's possible that those could um, be a factor in budgets going forward. Okay. And uh, finally, I guess the the other story that you're looking on, uh, at back on the Sullivan County side of the river is uh, Delaware Youth Center. Uh, what do they got going on over there? Yeah, so the Delaware Youth Center has um, an event to start of kick off the holiday season. They're holding a holiday craft fair at 8 Creamery Road in Calicoon with over 30 local vendors. And they're holding it the day after Thanksgiving um, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it's an event that was held historically pre-COVID and is now coming back post-COVID. And it's also part of a trend um, in the region and nationally of just local goods and shopping local. And it's a nice coincidence that it's if I'm remembering correctly, Black Friday that that is being held on, which is traditionally about more like big budget commercialism. Um, so it's kind of an anecdote to, antidote to that. And it's another alternative for people who want to sort of avoid Walmart and other major stores on that day and look for something a little more local, look for something a little more homemade to start off the holiday season right you know, we went through several years of more than several years. We went through year after year of just increasing emphasis on Black Friday. 
uh, in America. Uh, Infants by retailers, retailers opening earlier and earlier to the point that they were opening on Thanksgiving. And uh, two things happened. One, there was a rapid increase of Internet sales, which kind of changed the the ground plan for retailers. Uh, But then also then the pandemic really uh, derailed things. And what I'm starting to hear now in reports about how this works at the national level, that there's so much of a need, uh, among retailers to make up for sales, big retailers at the national level that they can't afford just to bank on one day. And then there's other reasons such as the rise of internet buying that they're de-emphasizing Black Friday. So I'm curious. And if you're doing any reporting out there on the holiday weekend, and I'll also ask James B. Huntington about this. I'm curious if that will show a further benefit to small, local, independently owned uh, retailers. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. And I think in addition to sort of the factors on the big business side, I think a lot of people are just independently starting to turn away from that um sort of i've heard of alternative black fridays like small business monday i think it is and like giving tuesday yes as being lauded as like other alternatives so um yeah it it is interesting though to hear that like on the commercial side of things uh companies are turning away from black friday i hadn't really heard about that that's when I was starting to hear, you know, I'll bring it up with James B. Huntington and then we will, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a post Black Friday pre holiday analysis between the three of us. We'll figure out what's going on out there as it is. Liam, is there anything else that you want to let folks know about? Um, nope. Just, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Absolutely. You have a happy Thanksgiving, too. And, uh, Liam Mayo from the River Reporter, you can catch Liam this weekend. Not only on his regular New York and Pennsylvania news updates that air throughout the weekend, he will also be part of the Reporters' Roundtable on Radio Chatskill coming up on Saturday morning starting at 10. And then after that at 11, you know what happens, Liam? Um, I, I, I don't. The Sorry. doors open at the Radio Catskill Music Sale over at White Sulphur Springs. Ooh. So you're kind of you're the on-air prelude to that. At the Reporters Roundtable. So there you go. All right, well, Liam, I won't I won't torture you any longer. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Take care. This is Local Edition, news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. And we have uh, some additional news at the New York State level and uh, looking at New York Governor Kathy Hochul has decried the rise in violent domestic terrorism in New York as it's been rising around the nation and in response has now signed two bills into law that she says will take steps towards trying to prevent that. Hochul says recent disturbing events include the arrest of two armed men in New York's Penn Station over the weekend who had made threats against a Jewish synagogue and the mass shooting at a Buffalo supermarket last spring patronized by African Americans that killed 10 people. The governor saying domestic violent extremism is the greatest threat the state faces, says New Yorkers are entitled to a sense of security as they go about their daily lives, no matter who they are. Because no Asian woman of any age coming home from work should ever worry about where she stands on a subway platform. No young Jewish boy should ever have to look over his shoulder as he's walking to a yeshiva. No trans man or woman should ever have to fear for their safety 
or their life walking down their street or when they're in that safe space that they deserve. And no black New Yorker should ever fear going into a grocery store because of the color of their skin and becoming a target. Hochul signed two bills. One requires people who are convicted of a hate crime to undergo mandatory training in prevention and education. Another establishes a statewide education campaign carried out by the state's Division of Human Rights to promote acceptance, inclusion, and tolerance of diversity in New York. Senator Anna Kaplan is an Iranian of Jewish descent who came to the U.S. fleeing anti-Semitic violence during that country's Islamic revolution. And she's the sponsor of that bill. To me, as a Jewish political refugee, this is extremely personal. I fleed a country of extremism. I saw firsthand how extremism took over our communities and then over our country. And we can never let that happen here in our state. In addition, Hochul says $50 million in funding is available to nonprofits who want to launch anti-hate programs. She says as many as 1,000 new programs could be created. The New York State Police have already stepped up protection for communities at risk of hate crimes. Lastly, Hochul says she plans a unity summit in the near future. It will involve community leaders and try to find ways to combat hate and discrimination. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Thanks to Karen DeWitt and the New York State Public Radio Exchange for that report. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for the latest in jobs in the economy. Work Shift Live with James B. Huntington. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill's annual music sale is Saturday, November 26th. Come to the White Sulphur Springs Fire Hall in White Sulphur Springs, New York for vintage vinyl, hi-fi stereos, turntables, musical instruments, and more. Take home a musical treasure and support public radio. The Radio Catskill Music Sale, November 26th, 11 to 3. Admission $5. More information at wjffradio.org. On the Janice Adams Show on this Thanksgiving Day weekend, we're having a conversation across two cultures. It's about the power of words and language itself. What do our words and how we use them say about who we are? The Janice Adams Show, Saturday at noon. Welcome back to the local edition right now. It's time for the latest on jobs and the economy around the country, around our listening area. And for that, we turn, as always, at James B. B. Huntington for WorkShift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. All right, James, I'm looking at where we're going to get started here, I guess. Uh, Let's start off with interest rates. Uh... Are they going to stay uh, as high as they have been? Well, actually, Paul Krugman says no. <laughs> he says, although there are bubbles bursting everywhere, namely in crypto, that it doesn't look like interest rates are going to stay up here forever. One reason is that hmm, a lot of the demand is temporary. The economy is generally slowing down. 
in some ways because we have population growth much less than before. So probably in a few years, we'll be right back to where we were a while ago with, as he put it, too much savings chasing too few investment opportunities. That's really what we had for the last decade. That's why interest rates were so extremely low. And he's forecasting we're going to go back to that maybe in a year or two. And what's your take on that? You you going along with that? Yes, I've always thought the situation with demand was a bubble. A, I don't know if a bubble is the right word, but a, a temporary jump caused by people penned up during COVID and having a lot of money they'd received as help that they weren't able to spend. So for a while, we got right into inflation with so much more money available and so much more demand, and that will not go on forever as people realize that COVID is not really a pandemic anymore. It's an endemic. It's a bug that's going around. Things will get back to normal as far as people's spending and so on, which and back to normal right now with the amount of money there is, is low interest rates. Now you you mentioned and you mentioned Krugman citing bubbles bursting and one of the most uh, dramatic and visible ones right now is what's going on with uh, crypto cryptocurrencies. Uh, what's your take? Is this the end game for crypto as we knew it? Well, I am rather nervous about it. I've been saying that people should get some if they really want to invest in it, make it an area to diversify into something like 10% of your portfolio. Now it's looking sicker, and the problem we're seeing is not so much that they're going up and down. That's a natural sort of thing. It's that the institutions connected are falling apart, that FTX has filed for bankruptcy and is collapsing. Apparently there were people there in charge of it who ran away with billions of dollars of depositors' money. So what we're having now, and this is an interesting insight I'm reading about, the exchanges are getting to be just the same kind of financial institutions that they were trying to avoid, that what we have are institutions we have, financial things that we need to trust. And that's exactly the same thing as what banks are, really. I mean, banks were all based on trust, in case you wonder why they used to have these large edifices where you yeah. would go up to it was to get them to trust you. Wait, so, so are you are you essentially saying that, like, uh, if there's a crisis of confidence in crypto and the solution to that is to, you know, have more confidence, you're kind of, like, pointing at the existing... <laughs> um, economic infrastructure pointing at banks, financial institutions saying, well, that's that's where those are the ones that were trustworthy to begin with. Yes, exactly. And if they're not up to those standards, and they're not, I don't think anyone reasonably now can say that a crypto exchange is just as solid as Citibank 
or even your local bank down the street or whatever, you're, that's totally wrong, and people will realize that. So if you don't have this libertarian idea of not needing to trust any big institutions because that's what we have right now in crypto. And when people realize that, I think a lot of the appeal will go way down. So it's gone down from 60,000 to 16,000 and some. That's I'm talking about Bitcoin and it could easily go down much more. So it is really a speculative investment now. You know, you mentioned that that libertarian mindset. I mean, these are these are folks. Uh, one of the big appeals of crypto was uh, that extra level of whether you want to call it secrecy or security, uh, but the, but or privacy. That was something that a lot of these folks were seeking. And one of the fallouts of what's going on with this FTX is this question of will investors' information be handed over to government institutions and now have to investigate this? That's one of the things that uh, they're trying to avoid, but is a possibility at this point. It is definitely a possibility, and it looks like the government, if they wanted to, they could destroy crypto entirely do you think and they should do you as a as a regulatory move like do you think that's should be on the table if they start regulating it it'll probably be go down even further but this may go down as one of the biggest financial houses of cards in the history of the country wow all right um how about the great american land rush what is it how might it affect us well, we're looking at some situations brewing that mean that ordinary land, I mean, ordinary undeveloped or semi-developed land is going to be in a lot of demand. For one thing is all of the green energy things that are building strength, and there's a $370 billion subsidy in the works for green energy sources and... What that's going to cause if there are going to be massive arrays of solar panels and wind farms and places with power lines and so on, that's going to take up a lot of land. So land will be in more demand. We have, we have an estimate, an estimate from Bloomberg, the economic and consulting firm saying that if if the U.S. were to get almost all its new energy from solar or wind power, that would take up 267 million acres of land. That's about 625,000 square miles. You're talking about, oh, California and Texas and two or three other big box states out west. That's a ton of land. I know there is a lot in this country that's undeveloped, but this would easily absorb that within a few years. So what the upshot is here is that land prices may go up, may even go way up. Hmm. Does that does that make that a uh a good investment then for folks that have the ability to get some land uh, before or as it starts going up? It could very well be. If you look at land that has a lot of wind and a lot of sun, those are the kind of things that could be in especially high demand. So 
we never know with investments, but it seems like this has good prospects for the decade to come. Okay, now on to jobs. Uh, big tech layoff wave that's uh, been going around. Is this typical of the job market in general? It seems like as soon as I heard of, of layoffs after Elon Musk takes over Twitter, and then I'm hearing about layoffs at Amazon, I'm hearing hearing about big layoffs at big tech companies. Is is this typical? Well, no, it's not. And I'll tell you why. It's First of all, when you read one of these announcements that Hewlett-Packard is dumping 20,000 employees, that you have to get into the article to see that they're talking about 20,000 over the next three years or something. Some of these things go down to rather small, not-so-significant changes as they are. Another thing is that all of this is already included in the number of net new non-farm positions on which the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports every month. That was plus 263,000 last month for October's outcome. That's if that's for a country that's gaining, that really only needs about 40,000 jobs every month to cover our reduced population increase. So it's not much of a factor we have here. It's certainly it happens. There jobs come and go in a lot of areas, but what you don't read about, you don't read about is such and such a company adding 10 or 20,000 jobs over the next three years. That doesn't make news. It just happens. And it gets reported in all these other numbers. So it's nothing representative and it's nothing to worry about unless you have a job at one of these companies. And even then, I read a story about how right now Twitter employees are in big demand from other companies, people who've lost their jobs there. So keep your ear to the ground in your field and you are likely to come out just fine. Well, if there was employees there that that, uh, cared about that company and the work they were doing, um, I can understand them uh, you know, feeling bad at this point, but a lot of them were offered a pretty good deal, at least, you know, with, with say, okay, well, you can leave with, with three months pay or you can stay and work really hard on my new vision is essentially what Musk was telling yeah, everyone. So that, that is a good deal in a field like that, in, in areas where a lot of these specialists could get hired within a month or somewhere else. I mean, giving up your previous job, which was going south anyway, and getting three months of severance and getting back to work at a similar salary in a month, that's not such a bad deal. It's disruptive and all that, but it's not like anyone's getting wiped out. In fact, a lot of them will realize net gains by this situation. James, we only have about 90 seconds left. Is that enough time to talk about five jobs that U.S. employers are going to outsource? Yes, and it's finally these things are happening. Finally, we're going to have outsourcing, something I've been predicting since the late aughts, since 2008, 2009. Okay, 
five jobs where we're seeing a lot of increased activity toward outsourcing. Number one, human resources. That's surprising, but if it's as canned as it must be, it doesn't matter who is making the decisions. Two, IT, information technology in general. About time they realized so many of these jobs can be done from anywhere. Third, marketing. Could be surprising, but if it's following formulas and such, a smart person from other places in the world, India or China or some such, with, could handle it for quite a bit less pay. Number four, sales. Surprising, but a lot of sales is relatively impersonal. And number five, another about time is software development and testing. People who are skilled at coding can code no matter where in the world they are. Well, as with all of this, remember you heard it here first on WorkShift Live with the latest on jobs and the economy with James B. Huntington. James, once again, thank you so much, and I wish you a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jason. The same to you and the same to you, listeners. Working Well, that's it for the local edition tonight. Coming up, we've got Let's Talk Vets. Do stay tuned for that here on Radio Catskill. And yeah, reminders to everything that's going on on Saturday at 11 a.m. The doors open at the Radio Catskill Music Sale in White Sulphur Springs. It's uh, a few of us have been doing this for decades now, putting this sale together. Say, hey, this looks like this is going to be one of the biggest ones we've ever had. So you don't want to miss it. Radio Catskill. Music sale. More information at WJFFradio.org. This is WJFF, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello, Republic Radio for the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Clear tonight, overnight low down 24. Tomorrow for Thanksgiving, uh, some cloudy afternoon, otherwise mostly sunny with a high of 47. Tomorrow night, clouds come in and there's a chance of some showers.